is Haunted Garage. I'm your host, Frankie, and with me, as always, Jeremy David King. So strap in, smash that pedal, and ride with us down the paranormal highway. Let's debunk and find the truth behind every ghost story in the world of transportation. Welcome to Haunted Garage. Let's rev it. I'm your host, Frankie. With all the research that goes into our episodes, we thought it would be wise to give you a taste of stories that didn't have enough for a full episode. We call these breakout series, formerly known as Single Shots, Overdrive. On occasion, we will be releasing these bite-sized episodes in conjunction with our larger show. This gives me and Jeremy plenty of time to research, write, edit, and record. We hope you like the first episode of Overdrive, aptly titled, Act 2. Andrew Carter Thornton was done. He had cashed in on one of life's most profound goals, live life to the fullest. From his inception, Andrew Thornton was the son of Carter and Peggy Thornton, of three main stud farm in southern Bourbon County, Kentucky. There he grew up living a privileged life in the Lexington, Kentucky area and attended the most prestigious private schools, including Sager School and the Iroquois Polo Club, along with other Lexington Blue Bloods. He later transferred to Swanee Military Academy and then joined the Army as a paratrooper. Thornton was also known as Act Two, a nickname that he would live up to. Thornton left the Army and became a Lexington police officer on the Narcotics Task Force. After resigning from the police in 1977, Thornton practiced law in Lexington, and during his tenure at law school, he had begun to be a drug smuggler. With training from the narcotics division of his short-lived police career, we believe Thornton found a way to be a successful drug lord. It seemed that Thornton was actively learning the skills that would propel him into a future of wealth and elegance that was not afforded to him by his family name. Four years later, he was among 25 men accused in Fresno, California in a theft of weapons from the China Lake Naval Weapons Center and of conspiracy to smuggle 1,000 pounds of marijuana into the United States. Thornton left California after pleading not guilty and was arrested as a fugitive in North Carolina wearing a bulletproof vest and carrying a pistol. He pleaded no contest in Fresno to a misdemeanor drug charge and the felony charges were dropped. He was sentenced to six months in prison, fined $500, placed on probation for five years, and had his law license suspended. On a smuggling run from Columbia, having dumped packages of cocaine off near Blairsville, Georgia, Thornton and a partner jumped from his autopilot Cessna 404. Cessna 404, it's time for plane specs. Contact. The Cessna Model 404 Titan is an American twin-engine light aircraft built by Cessna Aircraft. It was that company's largest twin-piston-engined aircraft at the time of its development in the 1970s. Its U.S. military designation is C-28 and the Swedish Air Force designation of TP-87. Who's got some TP? Crew, T-28. 
two, capacity six to eight passengers, length 39 feet, six and a quarter inches. Wingspan is 46 feet, eight and a quarter inches. Height, 13 feet, three inches. Wing area is 242 square feet. Aspect ratio, 901. Empty weight, about 4,816 pounds. Max takeoff weight, 8,400 pounds. <laughs> if you're flying with cocaine, make sure you calculate that right. Or you could end up in the side of a building or mountain. Fuel capacity is 340 US gallon, and with gas prices today, it's pretty expensive. Maximum speed is 267 miles per hour. Cruise speed's about 188 miles per hour. Stall speed's about 81 miles per hour. And never exceed 274 miles per hour. The range is about 2,120 miles. The service ceiling is about 26,000 feet. Rate of climb is about 1,575 feet per minute or 8 minutes. Takeoff run to about 50 feet and landing run from about 50 feet. This has been Plane Specs. On September 11, 1985, an elderly Kentucky man named Fred Myers awoke to find a dead man lying on his driveway. The man whom Fred had found was wearing a bulletproof vest and Gucci loafers, and in possession of night vision goggles, a green army duffel bag containing approximately 40 kilos or 88 pounds of cocaine valued at $15 million, $4,500 in cash, and 6.1 ounces or 2.8 grams of gold Krugerrands, knives, and two pistols. Friends of Thornton that had gone parachuting with him had often said that he waited a little too long to pull the chute and tempted fate one too many times. This could have been that one time that Thornton was wrong about when he jumped. It was a night jump, so he might have misjudged where exactly he was supposed to land. About three months after Thornton's demise, a bear was discovered dead in the Chattahoochee National Forest in Georgia. This is the same force where Thornton's Cessna 404 crashed. The bear, commonly known today as Pablo Escobar, was found surrounded by 40 empty packages that had been torn open, all of which contained traces of cocaine. To confirm this is what happened to the bear, its body was sent to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, where it was cut open and its stomach examined. The medical examiner concluded on the bear's stomach that it was literally packed to the brim with cocaine. There isn't a mammal on the planet that could have survived that. The bear suffered from a cerebral hemorrhage, respiratory failure, hypothermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke, well, basically you name it, and our bear had it. But before we end this tale on a real Coca-Cola bear, they also discovered that after the bear overdosed on enough cocaine to kill an elephant, Pablo Escobar went on quite the adventure. The medical examiner had gifted the bear to an unnamed friend that did taxidermy on the side. After completing the taxidermy on the bear, they donated the bear to the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area, where he was put on display in the visitor center. After years of piqued interest into the lore and legend surrounding the bear, they decided to put it into storage. While in storage, the bear was stolen and then sold to a pawn shop. The bear was then sold to a country star by the name of Whaling Jennings. Whalen gave the bear to a friend named Ron Thompson that lived in Las Vegas, a man knowing for helping the wealthy have a really good quote-unquote good time while in the Sin City. Thompson, who was possibly an associate of Thornton or Act 2, put the bear on display in his giant mansion. 
The bear basically lived it up in a Vegas mansion that was the very definition of opulence, owned by a man that made a living satisfying the extremely wealthy, until 2009 when Thompson passed away. The bear, along with hundreds of other possessions of Thompson, went up for auction. An elderly Asian man by the name of Zutane purchased the bear for $200. The man then put the bear up for display in his traditional Chinese medicine shop because his wife did not want it in the house. She is quoted as saying that it scared her. When Zutane had died, his wife did keep Pablo Escobar. In 2015, a campaign in Kentucky called Kentucky for Kentucky tracked down the bear to Zutane's wife's house and told her about the amazing journey the bear has been on since 1985. Tan's wife instructed Kentucky for Kentucky that they could have the bear for the cost of shipping. K4K accepted the offer and Cocaine Bear Adventures ended. Today, Cocaine Bear is the chief attraction in Kentucky's for Kentucky's Fun Mall and can be found wearing a trucker's hat and his small sign around his neck, featuring a brief recap of the story you just heard, along with a reminder to not use drugs. As for Andrew Thornton, well, his legacy grew on the TV crime shows and books. The story of Thornton was examined in Dominic Dune's Power, Privilege, and Justice, and in Sally Denton's The Bluegrass Conspiracy. Robert L. Williams also wrote a book called Cowboy's Caravan. It looked into the death of his son David and his skydiving relationship with Thornton. Thornton was also detailed in a Discovery Channel double-length episode of the FBI files named Dangerous Company, in 2003. His death also served as the inspiration for the story arc in season four of FX Network's Justified. The beginning of episode one features a flashback to 1983 in which a male falls to his death, parachute still attached, with bricks of cocaine scattered around his body. The bag that carried the cocaine becomes the focus of a mystery roughly 30 years later. <laughs> This show was produced by the High Gear Network, written by me, Frankie Cambaletta, and produced by Jeremy David King. Our content creator is Lily McLeod. 